The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. Order. You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. It's Wednesday, February the 15th, and you're very welcome to the weekly politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. In a moment, I'll be joined by Sarah Barden from our political staff, and we'll be talking about the fairly dramatic revelations which have come out over the last week or so around the Sergeant McCabe crisis and the controversy around the Gardaí, and indeed about an impending tribunal of inquiry, which we'll be discussing a little later in the show with Alan Kelly from the Labour Party and John McGuinness of Fianna Fáil. And finally, Colm Keane, our legal affairs correspondent, is going to come in and talk with us about tribunals of inquiry, their history and how this one might pan out. But first, Sarah Barden. Sarah, a week ago we were in the studio talking about what a quiet week it was in Irish politics and that there wasn't much coming up, how wrong we were. Indeed, yeah. I think the biggest mistake any political correspondent can make is to to say how quiet it is because everything has dramatically changed um, in the past week. I mean, this time last week we had a suspicion that the Earl O'Neill report was to come out, but the consequences of, of it uh, were unknown at that stage and what a dramatic week it has been um, for the government in particular, but indeed um, more so for the for the Taoiseach and disastrous yeah it's been a, it's it's been a complete shambles to be honest I mean um, we the 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 farce that took place in the Dáil last night where the Taoiseach Tánis, the Minister for Children and Minister for Health, uh, took about four hours of questions from the opposition. Um, same questions being asked, different answers being given all the time, constant contradictions between Cabinet. Um, we have a position now where we are facing into a debate on a motion of confidence today and a vote tomorrow um, when the cabinet hasn't even discussed the motion of confidence. Um, I mean that's the kind of this is the kind of situation that we're in where there is no real cabinet collective responsibility anymore. There is no cohesion in cabinet. And, and this kind of goes to the core the core of the pro- the core of the political problem. We'll be talking about this the specific problem surrounding the Gardaí and Sergeant McCabe uh, later on. But this issue has really exposed what a lot of people have been talking about in more abstract terms, that this government doesn't function as a government should or as a cabinet should. Yeah, I think for the first time, the general public are now becoming aware of the severe dysfunction that it, uh, exists at the centre of this government. Um, I don't think I don't think it was completely evident to, to those um, who, live, who live outside the politics bubble that uh, the government wasn't functioning that well. But now looking on and examining what their uh, their response to the Morris McCabe scandal has been um, has been appalling to say the least. Really what we've seen is a sort of an attempt to come up with a clear timeline as to when they became aware of the allegations and that shouldn't be that difficult to question, to ask of uh, the office of the Taoiseach or indeed the office of the Taunashta um, but neither of uh, the office holders have been able to come up with a clear answer to it yesterday in um, in the Dáil at 2.12 the Taoiseach gave one uh, response at 2.32 he gave another response um, Because it was pointed out to him that that when he had said that he knew nothing of this until he saw the primetime programme that it had been drawn to his attention in the Dáil earlier that day Well initially he said that he had met with Catherine's opponent she had informed him that she was to hold a meeting with the McCabe family uh, he said that on this week on Sunday and then he went into the Dáil on Tuesday yesterday and said, she never told me about the meeting. I was wrong. Mea Coupla, I'm guilty of giving ina- inaccurate information. Then Catherine Spone comes into the Dáil and says, I told the Taoiseach before the Cabinet meeting on Tuesday that there was a Tusla element to the smear campaign levelled against Morris McCabe. And he promised me that they would be... that." Tusa would be included in the Commission of Investigations terms of reference. Now, that is a complete contradiction to what we had been told previously by the Taoiseach and later that evening then he was forced to confirm that that was true. But when you have a position like that where the um, the office holder of um, the office of the Taoiseach can't tell us basic you know, facts, 
you know that that is a really really serious indictment of the um, of the cabinet and indeed of the of the government. Um, and you've now seen what has what has been talked about for quite some time, but is now growing at a rapid pace. A finally a final um, move to remove Taoiseach. And maybe as we'll come to that in a minute. But just my mind boggled at, at this stuff yesterday. First of all, we always know that Enda Kenny has apparently, some people have suggested, imaginary conversations, you know, from time to time and famous men in the street who have told him things that he wanted to hear and that. But as you say, in RT Radio 1 on Sunday, he he talked in a little bit of detail about this conversation he'd had last month uh, on this issue uh, with Catherine Zappone meeting Sergeant McCabe, which then, as you say yesterday, said never happened. So it wasn't that he just said he had met her. He actually went yeah, into it's, some detail. It's, it's not a case of saying, OK, I, I, you know, I spoke to Hugh on Monday when actually he spoke to Hugh on Wednesday. He went into great detail. He said that he had had a conversation with Catherine Gave her a bit of advice. Don't forget to take notes. Exactly. Take a good account of what um, the McCabe family say to you. And that's just not And then when this political bushfire keeps burning and it's burning all around this issue of this conversation between Catherine Zappone and the Taoiseach in the hours before the cabinet meeting in in Tuesday of last week... um, he hasn't kind of figured out with her and uh, what, his, what his response to that and the doll should be. No, and they end up contradicting each other and again he has to withdraw a statement. Well, in normal circumstances, you know, when you're telling an untruth, most of the time um, there is a sort of general consensus with the, the, the rest of the people that you're telling the untruth with. But what happened really was Cabinet cabinet uh, took place yesterday. Um, there was a there was a discussion on this. The Taoiseach and Tanish both spoke, and independent ministers sought answers from them. Catherine also spoke, and then it was bang into leaders' questions, bang into more statements on this very issue. And there never was never a conversation between Catherine Zappone and the Taoiseach um, pri- in private. Yeah, and what then happened was Catherine the Taoiseach got up and made a statement. Tanish uh, followed him. And then Catherine Spong got up a statement, got up and gave a statement that contradicted what the Thieshucks had said ten minutes previously, and that that really goes to the heart of what the difficulty here with regards to the cabinet is. Because if 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 they can't get together and and and, and come up with a you know a, a clear timeline as to who knew what and when. I mean, that, that, that really and, shows and, the And, you know, this is a coalition government as well as a minority one. And Catherine Zappone is an independent minister, although not a member of the Independent Alliance. But if you were another independent minister, and most of those are, others are members of the Independent Alliance, this sort of stuff would make you really nervous because the kind of element of trust or clarity that's going to make a coalition work clearly isn't working here. Yeah, and and you've seen, you've seen that now with what happened with the Independent Alliance yesterday. So essentially, uh, to... to speed it up um, at the cabinet meeting yesterday as I said uh, the independent alliance ministers Shane Ross and Finney McGrath sought answers from Catherine Francis and the Taoiseach um, the answers were given and they were satisfactory to the independent alliance um, at six o'clock they were due, the independent alliance were due to speak to the media on the plinth of the doll it was pushed back to seven o'clock at seven o'clock it was cancelled because everything that had transpired throughout that day had completely contradicted everything that they were told at Cabinet. They are now seeking a special Cabinet meeting which is due to take place tomorrow to seek further clarity um, on whether or not, uh, on the contradiction sorry, between the Taoiseach and, and Catherine Spohn and it should be said that they have not committed at this point to supporting the government in the confidence motion vote which takes place tomorrow. And then overhanging all of this is the general consensus that seems to be around there this morning that finally Taoiseach and Kenny's uh, goose is cooked. Yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary to see um, the pace at which Fine Gael are moving on this issue yesterday, speaking to a number of uh, Fine Gael um, parliamentary party members, including ministers who would be seen to be allies of Kenny's so-called loyalists. The game is up. They, um, It's just now a matter of, of timing. Um, there is a difficulty for Fine Gael that they don't want to be seen to shove their Taoiseach um, out while a confidence motion in the government is taking place because it's sort of how do you press conf- a button saying you, you're confident in the government while then trying to oust your leader. So there is an attempt by senior ministers to sort of calm this down for for a day or two but you could see this move at a very rapid pace. People are talking about conversations being held at the weekend with the Taoiseach and um, an attempt for him 
to uh, to step aside as Fine Gael leader sooner rather than because later. going all the way back to the election, you know, the the, the, the Taoiseach had, had obviously said he wasn't going to lead Fine Gael into the next election, and there was all this humming and hawing, and to be honest, it became very tedious about whether it was going to be eight months or twelve months or two years, or was he going to hang on for the Pope or what? What what was it going to be? But now. He can't play that game anymore. Is that right? That game is over. Yeah, uh, he was afforded the luxury by his party um, of choosing his own time to stand aside. And the events of the past uh, week have completely changed that. What happened with the Morris McCabe controversy coincided with the release of a poll that showed the Fine Gael were on 21% while their nearest rivals, Fianna Fáil, were, were rocketing um, quite high above them. And that's that sparked a complete nervousness within uh, Fine Gael. But then there was an event in Cork on Monday night and um, reporters tried to doorstep the Taoiseach and they asked him if he would facilitate a public inquiry into the Morris McCabe controversy. And he said, I'd have to speak to Micheál Martin. And I suppose for a lot of Fine Gael people um, outside of the Leinster House uh, bubble, um, they saw for the first time the Taoiseach's complete lack of authority and they were so surprised that he would display it in such a transparent manner. Um, Here he was being asked a question as Taoiseach, as leader of the government and admitting that he can't do anything without the support of Micheál Martin, the Fianna Fáil leader. So everything changed in those past number of days and now the discussion has very much centred on whether or not they will afford him the opportunity of standing aside within a matter of days um, or whether uh, Leo Varadkar or Simon Coveney, the front runners, have to make a move on him within days. I mean, that for, for for a long time, we've had this conversation in this room for many, many, uh, many, many times. It was always a matter of months, perhaps even years. Now it's a matter of days and weeks days and weeks. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Stick with us. We'll be joined by John McGuinness and Alan Kelly. You're listening to the Irish Times. John McGuinness, it's been an extraordinary few days, but in some ways you must be quite satisfied by the outcome of the declaration of a that a uh, tribunal is going to be set up into these issues. Yeah, and uh, I'm happy that is going to be, or suggested that it will be uh, in public. I think the McCabe family uh, explained to everyone concerned that they had no trust uh, in what would go on privately, uh, which is an awful reflection uh, on the state. But when you consider how the state has treated that family and many other whistleblowers, that's not surprising. Uh, I just hope that it's done quickly uh, and that perhaps uh, if there's to be an expanded version of the terms of reference uh, for the inquiry, that the McCabe module would be concluded first because that man deserves some relief in his life. Um, with his family. Do you share Morris McCabe's lack of faith in uh, in an inquiry which would have been held in private? Uh, I do. Um, I think that uh, it has proven in the past uh, not to be that uh, productive. Uh, I would like to see an inquiry where everyone gets the opportunity to tell uh, their version uh, of things, uh, to hold people to account. Uh, and I would hope, unlike other inquiries, that we would uh, get the names of the individuals concerned that created the file, that processed that file, perhaps the guardy that knew about it and all of the rest. The time has come in this state where we have to stop blaming the system and where individuals within the system have to take responsibility uh, for their actions. And I think there's an obligation now on the doll to ensure that that happens to the fullest possible extent. John, just to just to follow up on what you said earlier, do you, do you think that the tribunal of inquiry should uh, be extended to other whistleblowers like the one that Alan has mentioned in the doll, uh, Keith Harrison, and that McCabe should be dealt with first, and then it's extended to others? And will you be seeking that from your party leader today? Yes, I will, um, and I think that Alan was perfectly correct um, last night. I listened to his contribution. I sat through all of it, and I have to say, when you come away from that uh, debate and reflect on it. Um, and consider what the different individuals um, had said, the ministers. It was quite chaotic. Um, and it's obviously that someone is hiding the truth uh, or someone is not in, not expressing the truth the way it should be. Um, and uh, I think that the uh, module in relation to Morris McCabe uh, should be uh, one that you know, takes as much time as is necessary, uh, but that the other whistleblowers, we have to consider them. Because, as I said last night in the doll, there are many, many whistleblowers out there uh, 
that have had their rights trampled on uh, by the state. Their families have suffered. They're suffering mental health issues, some of them. Uh, their lives have been devastated. And we have to find some way of bringing closure to that issue for them. But we also have to bring some form of closure to the culture that exists in the state that allows all of these things to happen and to be covered up. Because essentially what we were dealing with last night was something that should have been dealt with up front many, many years ago. We can all blame each other politically, but the fact of the matter is that that culture is destroying people and it's destroying the state that we represent. Alan Kelly, I think a lot of people people would have been paying more attention to the proceedings of the Dáil yesterday evening than perhaps they do usually. And uh, many of them will not have been impressed by what they saw and perhaps will think that some of what they saw reflected what John's talking about there. Yeah, um, I, I like John Satruda most, virtually all of the of the proceedings yesterday evening and it was astonishing really to be honest with you um, I think it was like in one episode an example of where we are uh, in the current Oireachtas um, in, in politics in Ireland politics I keep repeating isn't working in Ireland at the moment the current way in which the Dáil is constituted in the way in which it's working isn't really working nothing's happening legislation isn't being passed and it was a microcosm of it last night and we have a Dáil motion of no confidence by Sinn Féin which frankly is not the most serious thing at the moment which is an amazing thing to say the most serious thing at the moment is to get the terms of reference right for the people that John referred to um, I, I've been working with Keith Harrison for some time um, he approached me um, his story when he shared with me the what happened to him and then I saw all the documentation 13 pieces of correspondence with the Minister for Justice uh, doc, all the correspondence with the Garda Commissioner and recently with Minister Sapone I was absolutely uh, speechless and I, that doesn't happen to me often I was true. I know uh, to bring a bit of humour into it a very, a very difficult subject but I was speechless I sat up uh, at the desk I have in my house and I was speechless I spent five to six hours going through it. Um, and the parallels and the commonalities and the similarities in relation to what happened to him uh, as regards what happened to terrible stuff that happened to Sergeant McCabe has motivated me to the point where I'm absolutely demanding that he is part of uh, this inquiry or this uh, tribunal and others as well. And I agree with John, we have to, you know, um, ensure that Sergeant McCabe gets closure as quickly as possible. And um, whether that's a modular process or some other process, the, the commonality and similarities of the way the Gardaí treated these whistleblowers and also the situation with Tusla, there are common themes there. So if we do have a modular approach with Sergeant McCabe, we need to ensure that evidence in relation to other whistleblowers which have similar issues is also brought in. So it needs to be dynamic enough to do that. And I expect... An, I'm demanding that that happens. I know uh, uh, Garda Harrison and his partner, Marissa, and his solicitor are meeting with uh, the leader of Fianna Fáil and uh, Jim O'Callaghan, the justice spokesperson, uh, later on this morning. They're meeting with ministers of Pone later on today. They're meeting with the Independent Alliance later on today. Finney McGrath, in fairness, was in touch with them and others. Um, because at this moment in time, that is the most important thing. You know, we can deal with this dysfunctional government, uh, the situation of who said what in the doll, which between Mr. Kinney and Mr. Zappone uh, and uh, Mr. Zappone and uh, 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 Francis Fitzgerald at the moment is getting, it's ringy, ringy, rosy, it's crazy stuff. No, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're losing the will to live. There's been so many changes in relation to who said what. Um, even following it, it's almost impossible, so complicated. But that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is sort out the terms for the tribunal and then, then put that in place, get it kicked off to give closure to these people, to give give some confidence back into the justice system and the child protection system. And then we'll deal with this government and deal with the ministers and deal with the Taoiseach as regards their responses. What about um, the, the concerns which we've expressed in some quarters, John, that um, th there are some very important issues here, including the, including the fact that if, if, the, if the allegations um, against senior guardia are proved to be correct, um, that 
criminal proceedings, one would think, would, would should inevitably follow at some point. And you add to that the fact that just there is so much out there now that there has to be a crisis um, at the political and security level in terms of the faith which people can have uh, and the trust they can have in you know the the, the organisation, the Guardia which is entrusted with protecting citizens. Doesn't both of those things mean that whatever the tribunal of inquiry, whatever its processes is, whatever its modules are, that it has to do its work efficiently, but a lot faster than we've had experience of with tribunals in the past. Uh, yeah, I agree with that, and it, it has to do it uh, at a cost that's um, reasonable and a cost that people can understand. Uh, but we have to get to the truth. And what is happening is that for far too long, an awful lot of these stories have essentially been covered up and people have been labelled as cranks and so on in order to uh, take the credibility away from them. And, you know, we all have cases. Uh, I, I remember the the death of Shane O'Farrell and Lucia O'Farrell, his mother, has carried on a campaign in relation to the circumstances, not just around his death, but the investigation and the court proceedings and so on. And everything in that case feeds into the type of culture that we have in this country. It proves that the state believes that it can trample on the rights of people. It actually believes it. And we have to arrest that notion, stop it in its tracks. And we have to take, we have to recognise people that are making complaints, the Morris McCabe's and others of this world. And I, I agree with the extended terms of reference of the tribunal in order to get that sense that others experience exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing, it is, it is a culture that's there and it's an obnoxious culture. It has to be stopped. And the, in terms of the politics of it, you know, Alan is right, we can deal with the politics of this on another day. My concern, like his, is one of getting the best possible um, method in place for getting the truth out and for creating a state then that will respect its citizens and those that come forward uh, with complaints. And I have to say that I was taken back last night by Pat Rabbit uh, and indeed John Deasy, who came out and verified the fact that senior people, some within the Gardaí, uh, had circulated these stories and supported them. And the more those, the more that gossip got legs, then the, 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 more, uh, the more the story was embellished. So I, I was struck by the fact, and you might have read Miriam Lord's uh, article on Saturday, where she talked about a conversation she had just immediately after that famous um, Oireachtas Committee hearing where um, the, um, Mr. Callanan spoke about the disgusting nature of the, of, 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 of the whistleblowers, where a senior uh, member of the Gardaí, she was saying, was talking to her about was speaking in very you know negative terms about about Sergeant McCabe, and I wondered about maybe put this question to to you, Alan. The, the Taoiseach was very reluctant to talk last night when he was questioned about when he had become aware of these issues, and when did, when did you become aware of these issues? Where did any of us become um, aware? Of them? Uh, ten times he was asked because I was one of the people who asked him. Um, I was very taken by uh, what Morris McCabe said in his statement two days ago, where he put six questions, and one was, were any cabinet ministers or previous cabinet ministers briefed formally or informally uh, against him in relation to these allegations, unfounded of course. Um, I wasn't. Uh, I intend making a statement to the Dáil to say that I wasn't. I'm going to ask that every other member of government, previous and current, does the same thing. And I think that would flush out whether there was anyone who was briefed. And I think that would be important. Um, I certainly didn't know about these uh, rumours in your window up until recently. Is there a grey area between being briefed and somebody saying something to somebody in a corridor? Well, let's get on the record whether there was... Um, like, I, I, I say this, I, I read everything uh, in, in great detail in relation to what this, the, the solicitor who's acting on behalf of Sergeant McCabe writes because it's written, obviously, in a very conditioned way. And he was very specific in relation to his request. So I think it's something that needs to be followed up on. There's a few things here. I believe there needs to be a parallel uh, criminal inquiry of some sort. Secondly, to sled the investigation that has come about, um, that's fine. But we need to have confidence that it's working currently while that investigation goes on. So something has to be done there. Um, I cannot understand how, I never understand, because I had a ministerial office 
which, being honest with you, given the role I had in the last government, was pretty busy, um, to say the least. I never understand, ever, ever understand how Minister Fitzgerald, who got a letter in October last year from Keith Harrison outlining the issues with Tusla, did not join up the dots when Minister um, or when Minister Sapone contacted her on the 25th of January, like I'd say that she was meeting another whistleblower. Like alarm bells should have went off. Alarm bells should have went off and said, hold on, these are two issues with two whistleblowers. There are two other issues. Um, can I just, can I just briefly come in there? I think there's a lot of focus on who, when senior politicians became aware of the Morris McCabe allegations. Mm. Um, and I actually th- think it's slightly irrelevant because what, what, what happened way back when in 2014 when Morris McCabe appeared before the Public Accounts Committee and there were, you know, there was an orchestrated campaign to prevent that inquiry or that uh, hearing from taking place. Um, those those allegations were in wide circulation, but it wasn't, uh, I suppose, it, it, it didn't make a difference to the members of the PAC in a way. They still wanted to hear what Morris McCabe had to hear and his and his allegations have subsequently found to have been completely accurate. I think the difficulty is, is whether or not the Taoiseach or members of the previous cabinet or current cabinet were informed by the Gardaí. It's not as if they were, it's not, it's not about whether or not they were informed in the, uh, in the in corridor the or, or, yeah. or whatever. Because let's face it, for all That's of us who were around the corridors of Leinster House at that period, we had all been made aware of what were the allegations that had been levelled against Morris McCabe. The difficulty is whether or not former Commissioner Martin Cannellan or current Commissioner Noreen O'Sullivan or senior members of the force briefed, briefed Cabinet in the way that Martin Cannellan tried to brief John McGuinness. And that's exactly my purpose of what I intend to do um, because I believe um, we just need to get clarity and closure on that. Um, I think that would be very helpful. The last two points, Hugh. Um, I believe there has been a huge effort um, over a period of time now by the Department of Justice to ensure that multiple whistleblowers' allegations, which have been independently sent to GSOC, and that's fine even though they're completely under-resourced, are not brought together in any commission or inquiry or tribunal, which will be the case hopefully now. Because if they were, you would see the pattern of what happened. For instance, in relation to Keith Harrison, he has said, publicly and his solicitor has said no on numerous occasions he was referred his his partner and he and his their children were referred to, to Tusla uh, no one knows why but and and it was cleared up and the, the, the people who came out were very good and they said there was no, there was no issue why in the name of God without any other information any other referral four and a half months later they were back again after a statement was withdrawn against him and where his partner was told uh, there could be consequences, according to his solicitor, for their children. And yet they were out. And not alone out, they, not alone did they ring them, but they actually came to visit the house. There is no reason. And that absolutely has to show that there is similarities and trends that are really threatening to this state. And that, that's why you need an extended version of the terms of reference. Um, and, you know, if, if what was being said to Tusla uh, in relation to Morris McCabe was true, we now know it was false, why, why is it that it wasn't investigated? Isn't, isn't that the purpose of Tusla? That serious charges like this, that they should have been all over it, and they were not. There must be a reason for that. There must be a reason for creating that file and just leaving it there. And the second point I would make in relation to Public Accounts Committee hearings is it has to be asked why at that time certain people went out of their way to try and stop that inquiry. Because without that inquiry starting, we would not have had all of what has happened since. And you would not have had the possibility for Maurice McCabe of showing that he was a credible witness. And he appeared before us that day in full uniform. We were warned that he was a loose cannon, that he would say all sorts of things and accuse people. He didn't. He stood or sat proudly in his uniform and gave a full account of everything that had happened to him. And even those that were concerned and didn't want the the, the inquiry for their own reasons and genuine reasons to go on, they were taken back by how genuine Morris McCabe was and how factual he was and the fact that he was constructive in his submission 
and did not involve anyone else bar asking for the truth to be told and for the police force that he was so proud of and is so proud of to be run properly. These are the questions that need to be answered by this tribunal. If we rush into it and rush the terms of reference, we're not going to capture all of what is necessary to deal with the huge issue uh, of rebuilding trust in the Gardaí. Because right now, the Garda force, you know, their, their confidence is shattered. I'd say their morale is poor. And on the political side, the, the politics in this country, it is shown that it's not working at all and that this talk about new politics is an absolute and utter farce. It is a Agreed. lie that it's working. You can see it on the committees. Yeah. You can see it in terms of legislation. You can see cynically the doll passing a bill to go to second stage and it's going to a committee. There's night. no decision being taken. And, you know, we have the housing, we have the health, we have all the other issues. And quite frankly, it, it must be shocking for um, why people is, to why look in at the debate. Then, why is your party abstaining uh, in a motion of confidence then in the government be, that's be, effectively not working? Because of the fact that they entered into this um, supply and confidence arrangement with the government. But they could never have envisaged when they negotiated that or the government negotiated with them or they with the government that something like this would happen. And I believe that because something like this has now happened, that it is, it is so big that this needs to be looked at outside of the agreement that Fianna Fáil have with the government. And we need to... What does that mean? Well, it, it, it means that, as Alan said earlier on, the purpose of all of this is to focus on Morris McCabe, the tribunal, and whatever's going to happen next. But politically, we have to put aside, in my opinion, that agreement that we have with the government and decide with them what's going to happen next because it is unsatisfactory the way this is being handled and quite frankly you could not express confidence in the government. If this was outside of that arrangement there are many that would vote no confidence uh, in, in, in this government. However, you're tied by this agreement but I believe that the tie does not extend to this particular issue because it is unique and it goes to the very but core given, of the given issues Given that the confidence state. vote which will take place later in the Dáil is, arises directly from this issue and from the actions of the government in this issue, how then, as Sarah says, can, um, can you vote to keep the government there? Yeah, and that's the point. And that's the conundrum that Fianna Fáil finds itself in because of the fact that it ties itself in so, so sort of widely um, with the with keeping the government there. Uh, my view is that you keep them there, you deal with the Morris McCabe uh, issue uh, ex- extensively and properly, uh, bring closure to that, and then you deal with the politics of it, because this can't go on. Um, I find myself in uh, quite an amount of agreement with John. Um, the uh, issue is, is that inside the all, no one will say this, but nobody wants an election, and that's partly the problem. Um, Sinn Féin uh, except Sarah and all the political correspondents but uh, I'm not even sure if even they want one do you? But, but, oh yeah Sarah's but, not but, but um, like of course Sinn Féin have emotion no confidence on. that's just populistic nonsense I have no confidence in this government right that's a fact but I do know we have to prioritise the issues now we have to deal with and by the way John made a point there in relation to terms of reference if this drifted into next week as regards terms of reference to get it right to yeah, spend so considered time so be it I mean, it's only a few days. We have to get this right. Absolutely get this right. I think there's Um, a difficulty, though, with this, just to go back to the inquiry with how you manage what both of you are saying. So you've both said that it should be um, it should be short. It it should be at a, a reasonable cost. But now it should be extended to to other cases. And then there is the difficulty which was raised by the Tonish last night in the Dallas regards to how everybody presumes that Noreen O'Sullivan and Martin Callanan are guilty of a crime. We haven't there well, is no there's, there's no, no evidence that's supposed no, to suggest no, that. And there's already a, a, a presumption of guilt on their part. So how can you have a fair hearing of a, a fair tribunal um on that basis? Well for starters, um I think we've moved on a bit from the previous tribunals. 
I think we have to have learned. If we haven't, I don't know what's going on. Um, I think this can be done in a style, in a way that's done differently. I think a lot of the uh, evidence um, can be brought forward through, uh, for instance, written statements, and there's other methods by which we can do stuff. Um, the issue in relation to the commissioners, uh, obviously without prejudice, this is just we can't change what people think. If, if it's what they think, it's not fact yet. We need to establish fact. But I do have a real issue with the idea that this will not be extended to cover issues that have happened later than than the or the disgraceful stuff that happened to Morris McCabe, because the difference between some of the or other whistleblowers, particularly Keith Harrison and Morris McCabe, is this: they literally come under the period of the current commissioner rather than the previous commissioner. Um, and you know, I repeat this: I believe there has been. A, a campaign in the Department of Justice and possibly the Gardaí to ensure that commonalities and similarities between all these cases are not brought into the one form because they know what will happen afterwards. For instance, um, I've been working with uh, uh, Garda Harrison and his solicitor and obviously I was helping them. I knew they were going public yesterday. He felt he had to. That was his choice, uh, absolutely his choice. And when they were speaking yesterday to me, they referred to me yesterday on the way before they left the house. And he lives in a by road, of a, in a lane of a by road. They referred to me, uh, to, uh, and their solicitor referred to me as well. They felt that there was a, a, a guard of presence going up and down their lane yesterday. Um, like um, you know, a lot of people would have known that it was quite possible that Keith Harrison was going to go public. Now, you know. We have to get to the bottom of this. I'm not saying that was done deliberately, but that's what they referred to me, and that's what they said to me. We have to get to the bottom of this, and we have to spend a bit of time now, quality work, to ensure that the terms of reference are accurate, they encompass all the whistleblowers, they give some comfort to uh, Sergeant McCabe that it can be dealt with in a moderate fashion, um, and that we can give confidence back in relation to the justice system. Uh, and confidence back to the people in relation to the Gardaí. I represent Templemore. Um, you, we all know the Gardaí do a fantastic job. Look what they've done in the recent past number of weeks. Incredible work, right? Gardaí on the street, Gardaí at all levels are fantastic people. They do incredible work for society. I can see it all the time, and John sees it as well. But we do need to give confidence back to the people. And if that means a little bit of time now in the next coming of days to ensure that these terms are referenced. The worst, all right, then so be it. The worst thing we could do is have the Minister of Justice come in on Thursday. And actually, then there's another massive big row as regards uh, what's in and out and how it's working. If this means that we have to bring people together on Friday, bring people together early next week, the justice spokespeople have to go through stuff, whatever. Let's get it right once and for all. For those who, who call for um, Noreen O'Sullivan to stand aside, I think it has to be said that that doesn't mean that she or anybody else is guilty of anything. It means that people are asking for that to ensure that there is uh, complete you know, uh, confidence in all of those that are involved in, in, the, in the tribunal. As much as Dave Taylor was out for 22 months, treated terribly badly, uh, not on full pay, his life was devastated. And again, you saw yesterday the pride in the uniform when he got his job back. He just wants to do his job. And, you know, for all of those reasons, there is similarity between an awful lot of those cases. Accepting all and that, I, then, I, though, I, though, John. I wonder... What John Wilson is thinking but about of this now. It's fair, to, it's fair to say, isn't it, that you've been out ahead of your party on all these issues and your party, in fact, in, on many of these issues, has followed you over the last, oh, over the last days and <coughs> weeks and, and arrived at the position that you've been at. So is Fianna Fáil part of the problem that you're describing here? Uh, I, I think that politics in general, political parties in general, um, they first set out to protect the institutions of the state. That's their, their first priority. And when you're in there as a minister or you're leader of an opposition, or you're in op- you, you t- they, they tend to do that. And they talk about new politics, but it's not new politics. And I'm only involved in this because, or central to this, because 
of the Public Accounts Committee hearings and all of what we heard there. And it's a judgment call as to whether or not you're convinced by all of these things. And I was convinced by them. And that's why I stayed with Morris McCabe and the others in relation to this, because they don't get a fair hearing. And all political parties have to be prepared to respond to some individual cases or to a number of cases that come together, like like the one that Alan is talking about and others, in order to get it right, not just for them, but for the state. So the political parties have to adjust. They just have to adjust to that new reality in, in life where sometimes the state gets it wrong and the House can't always win. You have to have respect for those that come out and try to better the place that they work in, try to better the state by making their efforts known. They should not be treated the way these people were treated. It's shocking what happened to them. So I take it from all that then that you will be reluctantly abstaining along with the rest of your party in the vote today. Yeah, and that's after I make every effort to try and convince them to do something different about it, even after the vote. And what would that different thing be today? Well, today will make no difference. It will be focused on on, on Morris McCabe and the outcomes of that. But for the future, in situations like this, uh, or the continuing situation that we have, we have to have a different, more, um, a a different response. And we we have to uh, be... I suppose, prepared to step away from that, that um, uh, agreement uh, with the government. We have to, because this was not envisaged. But what do you mean step away from the agreement? And not provide them with the supply and confidence that we had told them that we would do in circumstances like this. This is, this is an extraordinary place that we now find ourselves in. Nobody could have envisaged this. If their proposed tribunal of inquiry wasn't satisfactory that you would vote against it? Exactly, yes. And I think that that it has to be. That's what I would encourage them to do. And, And I'm only one in the party, but I will certainly make my voice known in relation to all of this because I believe it's the correct approach. And in politics, people are often afraid to differ from the line taken by their party. It's a straitjacket that they attempt to put you in. Mm. You have to shed that straitjacket and tell the truth. And then once you tell the truth, you have to be prepared to stand up for the consequences of that. Alan, you're in a much smaller straitjacket than uh, than John is because of the size of the parliamentary party these days. But what, what will Labour's approach to, Listen, to those issues? Listen, no, three things. One, we've never had confidence in this government from, the, from day one. It's a farce. The whole situation is a farce. I agree with John. Second issue is um, Sinn Féin, what they're doing is pure populistic. Uh, I think they'd probably have a heart attack if, it was actually, if their motion was actually passed. Um, it's pure populistic. Having said that, what in reality is in front of us, forgetting about who put it down, is a question of whether you have confidence in the government or not. We don't have confidence, so we'll be, won't be. Uh, we, you know, we'll be voting with it and we'll be saying that we don't have confidence. But that's purely because the question that's down, uh, we think that Sinn Féin putting it down is populistic and um, as usual. And um, uh, really, we have more important issues to deal with, as, as I said uh, previously. I think, um, though, there is, there is uh, uh, we have come to a point in Irish politics because of the last week, and I think John has has referred to it, we have come to a point whereby, um, you know, as politicians collectively, the body politic inside Leinster House has to show a level of maturity here. And it's a real test. A level of maturity that goes beyond personalities, goes beyond the Taoiseach, goes beyond senior ministers, goes beyond the confidence and supply agreement. It goes beyond, like, this these populists who are in the all goes beyond all of us, including myself and my own party, every one of us, uh, where the very core institution of the state, the, uh, the Department of Justice, how justice is administered, how child protection is administered, the Gardaí, uh, that we have to put in place a uh, pathway to give people confidence. If we fail on that duty, then the whole lot of us, every single one of us inside there, uh, should be held to account. I should leave it there see what happens later today. Thanks very much to Alan Kelly and John McGuinness for joining us today. You're listening to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. Remember that you can find us on irishtimes.com slash podcasts or you can subscribe via iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast provider is. And if you're already a subscriber, we would be extremely grateful if you'd take a moment to share or recommend the podcast. Coming up, we'll be discussing tribunals and their history in Ireland.
Colm Keena, you're our legal affairs correspondent and you're writing in today's paper about uh, tribunals of inquiry, uh, of, of which you have some experience yourself down the years. That's right. All of this um, investigation, investigating uh, institutions and, and people of authority really started in the 1990s and we had a few inquiries into um, uh, payments to politicians. But the first big one was Hohi and uh, and Lowry and the McCracken Tribunal. That really was a watershed and it was very, very effective and very tight. Uh, uh, inquiry lasted a few months, came out with a very succinct report and... Um, I think everybody was very impressed by, by it. Then there was there was uh, demand really to find out more um, about how he other than payments from Dunn, and there was concerns about this, the Ansbacker deposits, the money that uh, that had gone through uh, how he's uh, how his money had gone through. But then the problem really was people tagged on Lowry as well, and that made it more amorphous. That's uh, Michael Lowry. Michael Lowry. Still, sorry, Michael Lowry. Yeah. And then. Funnily enough, that seemed to be a bit part, you know, something you'd added on maybe for party political balance. and uh, But in the event, led to a monster being the, the Dennis O'Brien mobile phone licence, financial connections between Lowry as Minister for Communications and Dennis O'Brien and caused the, the second tribunal, the Moriarty Tribunal, to go on forever. Um, and meanwhile, then over in the, uh, also in, in the, um, in the, uh, Dublin Castle, you had the planning tribunal, which just went on and on. And in both those cases, they went on for years and years and years. They ended up costing hundreds of millions of euro. Yes. Finally, I, I think the general consensus is that while they perhaps may have shed some light on some dark corners, they didn't really achieve the objective of making, you know, making society better for Irish people in terms of the, the amount of effort and the amount of money that went into them. Yeah, uh, it's, it's well... There's always a debate about that because they brought in lots of money as well because they were investigating uh, untoward sort of carry on involving money. And obviously that doesn't apply to any McCabe one. But they brought they led to also to like the Ansbacker deposits investigation brought in lots of revenue. A lot of people involved up before before the tribunals had to make settlements and so on. So they br- actually brought in money. How much they cost the state? Is, is, you know, it's a question worth, I, I don't know the thoughts off the top of my head, but I think they brought it, maybe even brought in as much as they Well, the cost. other question was, yeah. you know, was, you know, certainly in some some instances, you know, wrongdoing was found, but there there is a question as to whether people uh, who committed those wrongdoings were ultimately really held to account. Well, some of them are re-elected by the, by the people. Um, the, uh, the issue, I, I think really, but it was a transformational uh, phenomenon in that, uh, it changed public attitudes towards the right of pe- people of author- the the right of authority not to have transparency. I think it fed into the whole. There was a whole feeling in the country at the time that hasn't gone away. There was a feeling about about the abuses in the Catholic Church as well. You know, there was just people stood up to things that maybe beforehand they they they, they might have uh, let pass. What about know? the argument that the, the sheer length or duration of some of these ones, thinking about the the, the, the planning one in particular, that are quite suited people who might have been under pressure in the political establishment because really they their careers went on uh, and and everything else was in relation to those contentious issues was sort of stuck in aspic until the tribunal you know finally had its findings findings I think for example of Bertie O'Hearn who was yeah, successfully yeah. served as Taoiseach for you know well over a decade yeah. while, while one of the stunning things on. about about the the allegation or the reports of the Irish Times was that that Bertie O'Hearn responded to them and saying instead of saying it was a matter for the tribunal and once he responded and everything seemed to unravel. But there is nothing to uh, to the tribunal that prevents a, a politician who's in, in, in the Oireachtas standing up and making a statement and being held to account by the Oireachtas itself. I mean, it is used as an excuse, but it's not a valid one, really, I don't think. And especially if, if people are in positions of responsibility and something that that's part of their brief. They have a responsibility to, to, to say their bit. To and the what about if, well. let's say, for example, as in this instance, you have you have allegations which, which if true, it seems likely would you know would or should be the subject of of, of criminal prosecutions uh, yeah. to, to some degree, or indeed you have allegations which, if true, raise you know profound questions about the way in which organisations such as Tuzla, for example, do their business and mm. whether they do it correctly. Can can those kind of processes of other internal inquiries or in other criminal investigations can they go on in parallel while a tribunal is is underway, or, or well, is that problematic? I think the whole thing's problematic. The whole thing goes back goes back to the terms of reference. There's a, there's a, a kind of a, a, um, a, an attraction there for politicians to say, "What about?" 
and we have to investigate this as well. It should be tagged on to territory. And they get a headline out of that and they get a good exposure out of it. But well, we have, down, we've just heard an argument yeah. from, from Alan Kelly on yeah. basically saying that that, but, that that the terms should be extended. Yeah, but the, then there's a downside to that for the process itself. You know, if, if this is a matter of grave public concern that causes us to establish a tribunal, then it's no good if it goes on for years. It needs to be, it needs to be short and it needs to happen quickly. And so I think it, one of the things about tribunals, you have to have well-focused terms of reference so it can happen quickly. And then that deals with the problem you've, you've just alluded to. But, I mean, you couldn't have it if there's this function within the child services uh, uh, agencies in, in Ireland or if there's a problem with the upper echelons of the guards. I mean, those things can't be put on hold for years. You know, you really have to, to get on with there's, them, I think. There's, there's one other question that occurs to me which you referred to in your in your piece today, um, which is, I suppose, almost a question of natural justice, which is about people's legal representation and who pays for it, who pays for it immediately while 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 the tribunal is taking place. And then in, in many cases, the state paid for it, paid for it ultimately. But if you have a situation, and this is quite different maybe from some of the previous tribunals, you have private citizens who, uh, I don't know, but in many cases may have little or no means, and they're, uh, they're being asked to account for, for their behaviour in front of a tribunal. They may have a right to legal representation, but do they have to find the means to, to cover that while the tribunal yeah, is Yeah, or else on? I've always thought it's a bizarre idea. And again, it's, it's because... Uh, tribunals of inquiry should be quick operations starts find out put the information in the public domain domain and end and then you pay the legal costs that you're entitled to uh, to, the, to the people who've had to appear before but if they go on forever then you're asking a barrister and solicitor to dedicate a lot of their time to uh, something and get paid years down the line possibly get paid years down the line and obviously most of them can't do that so there's an inherent uh, advantage then for those who are part of big corporations or big or parts of the state. For example, the state. if a tribunal were taking place today, mm. Noreen O'Sullivan's costs would probably, probably be covered on a day-to-day basis by the state, yeah. but, but but Morris McCabe's McCabe wouldn't. wouldn't. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it, and that's a disadvantage and unfair, you know. So um, so that's a that's a problem with, and again, it's a problem that's created by a tribunal that might go on too long. And one other thing, which I was delighted you mentioned in the in the piece today, which was a question I think should have been asked for for, for the previous ones too, is. Why can't these be um, televised and in the modern era live streamed? Yeah, it just seems bizarre that the whole point of the exercise is to allay public concern and let the public know what happened. And then you have these people giving this extraordinary evidence uh, as an exercise in transparency and don't let people watch it. Do you think that if people were able to watch or had been able to watch the proceedings of previous tribunals that that the, the public reaction to them might have been different or that indeed that they might have progressed in a different way? Well, I find that one hard to assess, but I do think that people had a right to see Hahi in the box. You know, that was a really important moment and they had a right to see him in the box. They had a, they had a right to see uh, Michael Lowry. You know, he, he, he made very important, the, the tribunal investigated really important affairs. They had a right to see him in the box. They had a right to see Dennis O'Brien in the box. It just seems crazy that we spend all this money setting these things up for transparency reasons to allay concerns and then don't let people see it. Callum, thanks for joining us. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our producer Declan Conlon and engineer JJ Vernon. Remember that you can mail me at hlinahan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. But until the next time, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.